the Oakdale Christian Centre podcast. This is the ninth part in our series on the seven churches from Revelation. In this episode, we look at the church in Philadelphia. The main reading is Hebrews chapter 3. Amen. So we're on on to the sixth church, uh, Philadelphia. Just going to read that now, uh, Philadelphia, to the angel of the church of Philadelphia, write, These are the words of him who is holy, who is true, Jesus speaking, and who holds the key of David. What he opens, no one can shut, and what he shuts, no one can open. I know your deeds. See, I have placed before an open door that no one can shut, and I know that you have little strength. Yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. I will make those who are of the synagogue of Satan, who claim to be the Jews, though they are not, but are liars, I will make them come and fall down at your feet and acknowledge that I have loved you since you have kept my command to endure patiently. I will also keep you from the hour of trial that is going to come upon the whole world to test those who live on the earth. I'm coming soon. Hold on to what you have so that no one will take your crown. He who overcomes, I will make a pillar in the temple of God. Never again will he leave it. I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which is coming down out of heaven from my God. And I will write on him my new name. He who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. This is the sixth church. This is the, the only other church that Jesus gives no censure to, no criticism to, no uh, something he has against them. Of course, the other church was Smyrna, the persecuted church. So it's very interesting. Of course, we look really at detail about how the Lord was um, really censuring those other churches. And last week, remember Sardis, you, you say you're alive, but you're dead. That's interesting, isn't it? Because this Philadelphian church, um, faithful, but a small church. It is interesting how, how the Lord views things, how we view things. Um, this church was uh, Philadelphia, just not quite 30, 30 miles southeast of Sardis. So, you know, you can, you can in our, if you bring it in the modern day, people would have said, oh, where, where, where can I go to church? People would have said, yeah, you go to Sardis. It's a lively church, it's a good church there, lively. It's full of life. Full, the program is full, everything's wonderful. Go there. <laughs> and the Lord is saying, is dead. Uh, go to Philadelphia. No, what do you want to go to Philadelphia for? Oh, is hardly anyone there. No, it's, it, it, but of course, how God views them and how God sees the heart is that's why He says, "I know, I know, I know." Philadelphia, well, it's one of the youngest cities there, built around about 200 BC by uh, Atticus. Uh, no, is it uh, Atticus? I should say. Um, it was in Philadelphia because he, he built it and um, he loved his brother so much. That's how they called it. <clears throat> well, I love my brother so much, but I'm not calling the uh, calling the city after my calling the city after my name. I think. <laughs> Davidus. <laughs> but that was why it was called uh, Philadelphia, brotherly love. Um, it was a wealthy city, a prosperous city. Um, it was built um, sort of on volcanic uh, f- fertile land, so uh, great vines and uh, uh, so the grapes grew well there, but quite a lot of earthquakes there as well. So you will notice that in AD 17, uh, it was totally smashed to bits. Um, they rebuilt it didn't really have, well, they, had, they didn't have to give tribute to the, the Romans for five years, so they say, but they didn't have as much help as they wanted. <clears throat> so there was always that fear of earthquakes. 
So again, all these, all these things are building up to what the Lord is going to say about them and to them. Um, so that's the background of that sort of city. And, and the first thing we notice is that Jesus, this is the longest description of Jesus uh, to all the churches. And this is, and the description that we find here is, he doesn't take from chapter one. Remember the other churches, he takes the descri- his description from the revelation in chapter one. But this is a new description um, because he just really wants to speak into these, these uh, believers. Um, and we can, we can surmise, and probably most of them were, were, were converted Jews, or a lot of them, um, but this is very uh, Hebrew, Hebraic language, an Old Testament language. That's why, if you don't know the Old Testament, no good reading Revelation, as we said before. The hundreds, hundred, four, five hundred, they reckon, uh, sort of what they take from the Old Testament into Revelation. But he uses these descriptions which are absolutely fundamentally Jewish. I am holy, I am true, I have the key of David, and what I open, no one can shut, and what I shut, no one can open. And remember, he's talking to this group of believers. Um, we can surmise they're not many, but they are, they are, they are faithful. They're holding fast. They have, they're, they're, they're behind it, they've been kicked out of the synagogue because they would have gone to the synagogue uh, because obviously uh, you know, Christianity is a Jewish, the foundation is Jewish, isn't it? So they would have gone there. But of course, when they began to talk about Jesus and his resurrection, out they would have gone. They would have been kicked out. And that's interesting because we'll see now about the Lord will be uh, encouraging them. So the first thing we know is he's holy. Now that is uh, a Jewish thing. That is an Old Testament thing. God reveals himself as holy. Holy right at the beginning of, of time, I suppose. And certainly, as we said before, we looked at holiness of God the other day. The first song and the last song in the Bible emphasizes the holiness of God. Um, and that is his essential nature. That's his essence. That's who he is. You know, as we said, uh, when we, well, let's read a couple of verses so we'll get uh, the background. 1 Samuel 2. 1 Samuel 2. Uh, Hannah is uh, singing, praying, bless the Lord. And Hannah prayed and said, My heart rejoices in the Lord, my horn is exalted in the Lord. My mouth is enlarged over mine enemies, because I rejoice in thy salvation. There is none holy as the Lord, for there is none beside thee, neither is there any rock like our God. There is none as holy as the Lord. Now, remember who's talking now? Jesus is talking. So when people say, oh, well, Jesus, he's not God, he doesn't claim to be God. Jesus is saying, I am holy. So every description that's given to God is given to Jesus. Jesus is appropriating them. He's telling us who he is. He is holy. Well, the Bible just said there's only one holy. There's God. Well, Jesus said, I'm holy. So again, looking right through Revelation especially, Jesus, the descriptions that Jesus, uh, that God has, Alpha and Omega, the beginning, the end, first and last, Jesus appropriates and said, I'm the first, I'm the last. So, um, so when people, it's just ignorance or they don't really want to look or they don't want to see. As they so often say, none so blind as those who don't want to see. Uh, but holiness of God. Isaiah 6, 1 to 3. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord, high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying. 
and they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The holy, the whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried. I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among the people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Amen. Holy, holy, we've said, and we, when we looked at that, we said that's the only essence thing, the exclusiveness, exquisiteness of God, I suppose, that is, is, is said three times to emphasize God is love, but we never hear the Bible say God is love, love, love. No, God is holy, holy, holy. And that holiness is, is, is that the beauty of his holiness and the separateness and the, the distinctness and the purity and the holiness. And, uh, you know, if we're not saved, that is a fearful thing, the holiness of God. Of course, when we are saved, that's why he said we worship in the beauty of holiness. We find it beautiful because uh, we know what we were, but we know we can come in because his holiness now is our holiness. But he's holy. And uh, they needed to know that. They needed to know, who, remind them who they're dealing with. See, when you're in difficulty, when you're in problem, when you, when you, you, you he says you, 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 your strength is very weak. You need to know who you're dealing with, don't you? God is coming. He's reminding them who He is. Bless the Lord. And He says you're not just holy. He's true. He's real. That truth and reality are the same. One and same words. And uh, of course, when we when we have that, it's true. It's real. And Jesus he said, I'm the real one. I'm the true, the reality. You can trust me. Not something made up, not something fake. This is reality. And uh, uh, thankfully, the Bible uh, tells us how true God is. He's faithful. And that's what, so out, of, out of truth and reality comes faithfulness, consistency. You know who he is. You know where to find him. And uh, that's why our God is different from any other God. See, the, the Muslim God, you never know where you're going to find him. He could, be, he could be angry one day and he could, who knows what he's going to be like. But you know who God is. You know his character. You know what he's going to be like. So he's true. Let's read a couple of verses there. Um, Psalm 36, verse 5. Thy mercy, O Lord, is in the heavens, and thy faithfulness reacheth into the clouds. Oh, yeah. loving kindness to the heavens. Your, your, your faithfulness, your truth, your stability, your consist to the skies. Bless the Lord. That's good news, isn't it? Um, because I suppose there's no, no boundary to that, uh, and no extent of it either. Um, John 14, verse 6, we should know this, but we'll read it anyway. Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Again, the, the distinctiveness of who Jesus is. He is truth. He is the real. Um, I was just reading, I was going to... Uh, I always looked for something on a Sunday morning at Remembrance. I was reading a bit about Bonhoeffer. Dietrich was one, certainly not, not many initially in the church in, in, in Germany stood against the Nazis. They got caught up with it, a lot of them. And of course it was propaganda. He didn't probably didn't know a lot, some of them initially. But Bonhoeffer would stand and he died a month before the end of the war. They executed him. But one of his uh, statements was, Jesus is significant. In fact, Jesus is the only significance. <laughs> He's the only one. Bless the Lord. He is the only. He is true. 
He's the only one. He's real. And you know, they, again, they needed to know that. Because, you know, when you're in difficulty, when you're, you're weak and when there's persecution, when you're squeezed, you need to know what you're believing. You need to know if it's true. Don't you? You need to know who you're dealing with. Uh, Hebrews 10, uh, 22, 25. Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience, and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Yeah, so he who promised is faithful. He's true in his person. He's true in what he says, his commands, and he's true in what he does. Who he is, everything permeates. So he's holy and he's true. Jesus is saying who he is. Now he's going to tell us what he, what he does. And again, this is so important because they need to know what he's doing, what he's doing, and what he can do. And then he comes up with this uh, sort of statement. Um, but again, very very <coughs> Jewish, and um, again, if they don't know the Old Testament, they wouldn't get this. Um, I am he who holds the key of David. You say, wow, well, uh, if you don't know the Old Testament, you wouldn't have a clue, would you? Wouldn't have. That's why you need, again, delving in. Let's read this these verses. Um, Isaiah 9, first, we know, we'll be reading this very soon, but this is, again tells us uh, a little bit of background, 9, 6, 7. So again, we understand when it's talking about David, David's throne, David's kingdom, what is he saying? He's the Messiah. He's, again, he's telling us who he is and what he's going to do. Now, we understand that, but what about these keys of David? What about these keys? And this is a bit of a long one, but you need to get, again, to where we find it and where we are, get an idea of what he's trying to say. Isaiah 22. Isaiah 22, I think we're 15 to 22, isn't it? Isaiah 22. So he's saying he's the Messiah, but not just that, he has the keys. Oh. Let's set the Lord God of hosts. Go proceed to the steward, to Shebna, who is over the house, and say, What have you here, and whom have you here, that you have hewn a sepulchre here? Ask me who hewns himself a sepulchre on high, who carves a tomb for himself in a rock. Indeed, the Lord will throw you away violently, almighty man, and will surely seize you. He will surely turn violently and toss you like a ball into a large country. There you shall die, and there your glorious chariot shall be shame of your master's house. So I will drive you out of your office, and from your position he will pull you down. 
Then it shall be in that day that I will call my servant Elkirim, the son of Hilkiah, and I will clothe him with your robe and strengthen him with your belt, and I will commit your responsibility into his hand. He shall be a father to the inhabitants of Jerusalem and to the house of Judah. The key of the house of David I will lay on his shoulder, so he shall open and no one shall shut, and he shall shut and no one shall open. Amen. I will fasten him as a peg in a secure place, and he will become a glorious throne to his father's house. Amen. Yeah. So Jesus, I'm sure he had those verses in mind, didn't he? Key of David, why shut no one? Of course, the story behind that is a man called Shebna who had the keys. When you have keys, you have access and authority. But he got above his station, didn't he? See there, he wanted a higher place. He was building a particular tomb among, it seems to me, among the kings. He wasn't a king, he was a steward. And he said, right, come on, I'll give it to the person who really should, will be a father, will use them wisely, will bring access. And of course, ultimately, Jesus said, like, I'm the fulfillment of this. I've got the keys of David. I, can, I have all the authority. I have access. I am the fulfillment of the prophetic word. I am the Messiah. And what I open, no one can shut. I am sovereign. And interestingly, these, these believers, they were, remember, they've been shut out of the, of the, of the synagogue. They've been shut out. Um, they, they went to the synagogue and they would have been, you know, you can't come in here. And, of course, that, you say, well, what does that mean? Well, of course, remember the synagogue, like all those places were the centre of, of uh, family, centre of social things, and they were excluded. That's hard enough. But the worst thing is, if you, if you were a member of the synagogue, you'd have your name in a, on a roll. Not a sausage roll, a membership roll. And, um, uh, but what they would do, that, see, that would exempt you from saying Caesar is Lord, because it was a protected religion. But of course, once you were scrubbed off the roll, and the, the Romans would come and say, right, where's so-and-so? He's not on the roll, okay. He's already open for persecution, because of course, they, what would they say? Jesus is Lord. They couldn't say Caesar is Lord. Remember, every year they'd have to sprinkle that incense and say, Caesar is Lord, we worship him. I know it was, it was, it was sort of um, ceremonial, but if you didn't do it, you'd be in trouble. Because, you know, that was what, they, you were expected for for uh, liberty and for you know, or, but if you didn't, you'd be persecuted. So they were shut out, and he's saying, "Look, don't worry about it. What I shut, no one can open. And what I open, no one can shut. Why? Because I am the one who has the keys of David, not this synagogue." Remember, now he goes on to say what they were. <laughs> They're the synagogue of um, Satan. Um, again, a, a description we find in Smyrna, Second Church. Again, that church was persecuted. These who were supposedly Jews, but were, were not Jews. Um, I don't know if I put that um, verse in. Um, I don't think I did. Um, but uh, if you go back to Romans, he, he says, they are not uh, Jews outwardly, but they are only Jews inwardly, where there's circumcision of the heart, he says. There's rea the real, because they've, they've not really true. To, to my word. Um, but then he says, you have little power, but then he, he comes with a commendation. He said, I know you, you're weak. I know you're small, but you've kept my word. Mm -hmm. Hallelujah. Remember that word we looked at last week, keep the word. It means to watch it, guard it, protect it, preserve it, reserve it. That is what yeah, you, you've done. You've kept my word and uh, you've not denied my name. 
Bless the Lord. They owned the name of the Lord. They were open. They confessed him. That's a powerful thing. Now, again, because we have no idea of persecution, we don't understand. But remember, when your life is at stake or when your livelihood's at stake, you've got a family, you've got to feed them, and you've got to look after them. And uh, just to say, remember, Caesar's Lord once a year, Bernard says, well, I can get away with that. I'll say sorry after. But their conscience, they were so faithful to God and to who he was. He said, no, Caesar is Jesus' is Lord, not Caesar. And so they did, they had kept the word of God. They were obedient. They were faithful. Bless the Lord. And remember, God is watching this. God is seeing this. And God, uh, the Bible says in verse 9 there, he loved them. Oh, bless the Lord. Oh, Lord, help us. They keep his word, not deny my name. You've kept my word with perseverance, he said. Not just kept it, but you persevered. You pressed in. You patiently endured. And of course, behind that perseverance, uh, there's a, there's, there's, there's a, it's associated really with a hope that cannot fail. Um, it has a quality that will not surrender to circumstances or under an, 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 an anything. Why? Because they're looking for a hope. See, they have their mind on eternity. And that's probably a lot of the Western church's problem. We're living for here and now. We want to change here and now. Well, that's, we know we are salt and light. But ultimately, heaven is our destination. Heaven is our home. We grab onto this life with all our might. Well, look, this is not our home. We are passing through. We're going through. But the hope that develops that and, 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 and keeps us persevering. Let's read that verse. Uh, one, uh, 1 Thessalonians 1, 2 to 3. We give thanks to God always for you, for you all, making mention of you in our prayers, remembering without ceasing your work of faith, labor of love, and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the sight of our God and Father. Uh, faith, hope, and love, that, that, you know, the motivation for working and serving and for persevering. We persevere because of the hope that is ahead, the hope that is to come. And uh, they persevered. They kept God's word and they patiently pers persevered. And uh, God was going to come now and uh, set them an open door before them. Bless the Lord. And um, when, you, when every door before you has been shut, to hear that, thinking, Lord, you know, because remember, he, he just told him who he was. He's the Holy One. He's the True One. He's the One in control. He's the One. He's the real Messiah. He's the One. He's the Sovereign One. He said, Look, when I come, I know I've seen what you do. I love you, and I'll set before you an open door. And those, those, you know, he's not slow in, in being clear, is he? Synagogue of Satan, and they he called him liars. Oh dear. <laughs> this is Jesus talking, and not, and so he's really laying it on the line for them. And he said, "Look, they will come down, uh, they will come and fall at your feet. They will acknowledge um, that you were right all along." Now, when that will happen, uh, who knows? May it happen then? Perhaps they, many of them got saved and and did that. But again, we, we can have the, we, we have got the idea in our mind, don't we? In the picture in our mind, that, and if they were Jews or they would have known the great story of Joseph, that um, <laughs> out they cast him, out. But he said, one day, one day, and uh, they bowed the knee before Joseph, not knowing who he was, um, begging him for mercy, begging him for food. Um, but they've endured patiently. And then 
he, he brings this lovely promise, um, which, again, we, we know when we talk about, um, you know, the tribulation period, the seven-year tribulation period, and as we said before, um, we know some, we know some good good Bible teachers that um, think we'll go halfway through, and some think we'll go all the way through. Bless the Lord. Um, but you look at this. Look at this statement now. This is very interesting. Um, in, in chapter ten, verse ten, it's very specific. Use a very specific words as well. I will also keep you from the hour of trial that is going to come on the whole world to test those who live on the earth. Now that's that's not a local thing, is it? Because obviously they were being persecuted there anyway. Um, that is pretty specific. And many, and I would be one of them, would say, well, he's telling them something there. The faithful church um, that have endured, that have pressed on, will be kept from that hour of trial that will come um, on, to test the earth. And that's a great promise to this faithful church. They were going through persecution, but of course this particular tribulation, this testing time, will be like nothing we've ever seen or heard. And uh, of course the rest of Revelation tells you what it's going to be like. It's not going to be pleasant. And uh, I'm praying for this promise anyway. Bless the Lord. This Lord, you said it in your word. I'm coming. I'm coming. Um, uh, but that's that's a, an interesting. Again, uh, he's, he's, again, it's specific, isn't it, to this church? But again, we're, we're, maybe when we finish the church, we look at the prophetic uh, line. But it's it's. it's talking to us isn't it because he said he was he's talking to the churches he's talking to us specifically i will protect you and then again he, he reminds us again i'm coming soon i'm coming soon which is the whole of the book is about jesus and who what he's going to do and what he's about i'm coming soon and he encourages them again doesn't he uh, to hold fast hold fast uh, that which is um uh, hold on to what you have so that no will take your crown and then he gives them the promises we'll come to in a moment. But um, the stirring of our hearts that we know that the Lord is coming. That again, when we when we forget the Lord is coming, we 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 anchor down here, don't we? Uh, although we shouldn't, because we know we're not going to be here forever anyway. We, we we're only temporary going through. But the very nature that the Lord could come should also keep us on our on our tiptoes. Uh, One Thessalonians five one to six. For the times and seasons, brethren, you know, you have no need that I write unto you. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as the thief in the night. For when they shall say in safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them, as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. But ye, brethren, are not in darkness, but this day shall overtake you as a thief. Ye are all of the children of light, and the children of the day. We are not of the night, nor of the darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep, as do others, but let us watch and be sober. So he's saying, look, now those outside of, of the Lord, it's, it's going to come like a thief in the night. But for us who know the Lord, now we don't, you know, when people, I've seen it so many times, silly, when they give an actual day, date, time, and hour, well, that's, that's very silly. But we can see the Bible gives very clear signs and pointers to say, well, no, this is imminent. This is imminent. Um, so it will not take us unawares. Because he's saying there now, be alert, be watchful. We talked last week, he encourages the last, last week to be watchful. And watchfulness means to be chasing sleep, not being sleepy, not being lazy. But it also links it with praying. 
pray, see, when we are watching, we are praying. Why? Because we are, we are alert. We have our natural eyes open, but it's influenced by the spiritual. Because we're in touch with the Lord. Our eyes are really upon him. We're seeing everything through him. And because of him and through his word, we see things differently, don't we? We see chaos, but we see uh, the Lord is sovereign over that, but we see the enemy working. And we see the, the, our, our, our battle is against the spiritual beings behind the thing. So when we, we're praying this week and when we, we pray for gender ideology today or when we pray for our kids, it, it, of course politicians may be bringing the laws in, but they're just being puppets of the spiritual battle. So we, we are seeing something greater, aren't we? We've seen the enemy's last attack on people, on families, on, on just the ordinary things that common sense would say, well, that doesn't make any sense. So we see, to stir, the Bible is very clear. When he, he talks about being watchful, isn't it? we talked about what he tells us to watch for in the, in, the, in the Bible, watch for the work of the enemy, the wiles of the enemy, uh, the deceitfulness of sin. He said, now be careful, also watch. Watch and pray for the second coming. Be alert, be ready for all these things. So uh, watchfulness, I'm coming, he said, I'm coming, I'm coming. And again, that's an encouragement, isn't it? Encouragement to these people who are, are really, in a sense, hanging on. Their strength is weak. There's not a lot there, but God is seeing their faithfulness. They love him. They are not backing down. They are standing strong, even with little strength. Bless the Lord. They're using what they have to stand for the Lord. Bless him. And uh, then comes the, the promises. Oh, bless the Lord. And this would have uh, really thrilled them. Um, uh, three things, I suppose. What do, you, what do we, some would say, the, uh, he, he would bring them influence, increase, and uh, bless the Lord, immunity, isn't it? We just said that uh, from the our, uh, time of testing. What would this work? The pillar. He said, I will make you, I will, I will come and I will make you a pillar in the temple of my God. Immediately they would have known because, men, this, this place um, was, again, a lovely built. Architecture was wonderful. In fact, they called it Little Athens. And if you know anything, they love their columns and they love their pillars. And, of course, a pillar is something that's stable, that holds the weight, that is steadfast, that is reliable. There's going to be there. And he says, look, he said, you'll be there. And uh, you will, um, you will be in, in. I will make you pillar. Never again will you leave it. Again, remember they've been kicked out of the synagogue. But he said, "Look, when you're in my temple, I'll make you a pillar, and you'll never be from there. You'll never leave my presence." Um, of course, in those pillars, they would write names on it. Names would be printed on them. We looked at that last week, didn't we? Um, a couple of weeks ago, in that um, uh, when they were trying to mingle, when they tried to mingle in the in the in the, in the synagogue. Um, they had their names on the, on the pillars and on, on uh, the, um, the place there. But this is the pillar. I'm going to write your name. Pillars, pillars. That's a great, that's what I'm going to make you. That's what you've lived for. And I, I, are you going to be in my, in my presence? Galatians 2 verse 9. James Cephas and John, uh, those esteemed as pillars, gave me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship when they recognized the grace given to me. They agreed that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised. Pillars. Pillars in my work. And he said, this is what I'm going to make of you. I'm going to give you great power, influence, increase. Why? Because you've, you've held fast. You've held me. You've held me close. And then 
He goes on to, on to say, I'm going to write my name on you. Three names. And again, they would have known that this city, the name, the name of the city had been changed a number of times, come back to Philadelphia, called another a new Caesarea and Flavia and different things. But so they understood again, Jesus is, is tapping into, the, into the, the city and what they knew about it. And he said, look, now uh, I will put the name of my God on you. That's ownership. Bless the Lord. God is going to put his name on them. So everyone will know whose they are. Ownership. Bless the Lord. John 14, 23-24. Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him, and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. He that loveth me, he that loveth me not, keepeth not my saying. And the word which ye hear is not mine, but the Father's which sent me. Same word, keep watch, preserve, those who keep my word, we will come and live, we will come and abide with him and set up our home in his life that is a great picture, we will come and abide with him, and again that's what he's saying, I will write my name on you ownership, blessed, then he said I write my name, I write the name of the new city of my God on you that's uh, that citizenship, bless the Lord, that's where you see, where I'm from where are you from? So your passport, that's my citizenship. Well, what did uh, uh, Paul say? My citizenship is in heaven. So the Lord is saying, look, I will, your ownership is me. Where you're from will be, you will know where you're from. It'll be my city in the new Jerusalem. And then he said, I'll write my name, my name on you. There's relationship, fellowship. We are co-heirs with the Lord. It's a lovely picture. We, we may not have dwelled on it so many times, but Jesus, of course, we're the sons and daughters of the living God, but we, Jesus is our brother, our elder brother. Remember, he said, look, who, who's, your, who's my mother? Who's my, who's my sister and my brother? He said, you will do the will of the Lord. In my brother, my sister, my mother. It's a beautiful picture of a relationship and who we are in God. And... Um, Maybe, again, they would have had the word of the Lord, certainly in the New Testament letters. and Maybe this would have flooded their minds when the Lord was speaking to them. Ephesians 2, Ephesians 2, 4 to 6. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved, and raised us up together, and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Yeah, we so often forget our, what our salvation entails, don't we? Uh, it isn't just forgiven of sins. We've been raised up and are seated with Christ at the right hand. That's our position in him. Who we are in him. The Bible says we will reign in life. The power of God that raised Christ from the dead is ours. Our position is in him. And he is at the right hand of the Father. Again, uh, that may have flooded their minds. And to remind, because of course when we're in difficulty, we're in persecution, we are prone to look at our circumstances, allow our circumstances to run over us. To, uh, oh, and of course we, we love a bit of mourning, some of us, woe is me, why is this difficult, why am I, uh, and, and uh, 
Paul says, and he's getting, he, he, he says to the Corinthians, look, he said, this is momentary troubles, momentary, far outweighed by the glory that is to come. And he's telling these, uh, this faithful church, small church, but good church, he loves them. Look, he said, look, whatever you've given up in this life, and he said, really, it isn't given up because you're just standing for me. It's far outweighed by what is to come, isn't it? Far outweighed. Away. And to be honest, in the Western world, we've given up very little. <laughs> we've given up nothing, have we? We think we read. That's why it's good to read about the persecuted church. Keeps us grounded when they, what they have to go through, what they have to go through every day, the pressure and the difficulty. Um, but far outweighed by the glory. And that's why he says. That's why one of the greatest things that he, he, he commends and he loves is faithfulness. True to him, true to his word, living for him, not being distracted, not being diverted. And of course, the great commendation, um, as we read, uh, Matthew 25, 21. His Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant, thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things, enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. See, that's the commendation. Not, um, remember those people they came, Lord, we've done this, we've done that, we've prophesied, we've, prophesied, we've done this. No, no, no. Good and faithful. That is the qualities that God looks for. And when he sees that, the, 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 uh, as we just said, increase influence, immunity, and those keys of David, um, uh, and access and authority, are putting into, into those people's hands that, can, that God can trust. He said, if you're faithful with that which is of the world, he told about in, in the context, there's money, very interesting. If you're faithful with worldly things, money, you'll be trusted with spiritual things. You can't, you can't use the natural wise. He said, don't ever think the Lord is going to give you something that you can't handle. Because um, what will happen, as we see, and we applaud, Lord help us, is it, it, it pride? Yeah. Satan comes from him, puffed up, cherub, but oh, came down, and uh, that's one of his. his uh, but you, you, we see a faithful church, no censure, and uh, and uh, as we come and we'll maybe at the end we'll we'll go around and see what the Lord's been speaking to us personally. But it it does. It's very interesting, isn't it? That how God sees things very differently from us. Um, this prosperous place, and we see it was right on the, um, it, it, it's interesting that this, this was right on the sort of the, the gate to the east, they said, and it really was a, was a missionary city, but not missionary for Christianity, missionary for the Greek culture, Hellenism. They loved this, they wanted this because it was the furthest east, they wanted this to, to spread the Greek culture right through because they thought they had the best culture. And uh, we're still living in a lot of Greek thinking now. Democracy and all those kind of things that come from the Greek culture um, and lots of other things. Um, but so this was a, a wealthy, and, and so we see. Uh, it's very interesting that this was the last city to fall to the Turks in Islam, the last city um, in about 1390. Um, they were faithful until they were overrun. It was the last city to, to fall to the, to the uh, Turks when, they, when it went right through there. And, uh, um, so there we are, the faithful church, what God loves to see, what God commends. Um, what we see is very different from what God sees. And uh, he says, look, 
love God's word, hold fast, confess him, love him, serve him. Hallelujah. Amen. Bless the Lord. We hope you've enjoyed this episode. To find out more about our church, including our service times, visit www.oakdalechristiancentre.org. Thank you.